Okay, this morning I want to preach on a feast and uh, the last time I preached here it's um, a few weeks ago or ma- months perhaps. So you remember I spoke about one of the, the feasts of Israel and there was then the Passover lamb and uh, I mentioned something. There are three special feasts in Israel or the Jews celebrate and on these feasts every Jew wherever he lived in that area and the whole um, area around the Mediterranean Sea wherever they lived they had to come to Jerusalem and there was the next feast was the feast of weeks or the feast of harvest and that is Pentecost and there's the other feast they were supposed to come to Jerusalem and celebrate it, that was the Feast of Booths. So, and now I'm preaching about the Feast of Pentecost. And let's uh, go to the Bible and read the scripture in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. Pentecost, the most orderly Pentecostal meeting in all of church history. Now we, we are Pentecostals. And I'm a, for at least for 50 years or even more, a moderate classical Pentecostal preacher. You might have realized that, but I want to be a preacher preaching the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ and also the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, now all these 50 years of my ministry, I often was asked and criticized about Pentecost as well. You know, all these things happen. If you follow Jesus all the way along, you will have also people who will criticize you. And it doesn't matter. I learned to live with Jesus and I studied this very clearly. There is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to speak about this this morning. And uh, many Pentecostal uh, um, enemies who say, well, you Pentecostals should go overboard, you know. All what you want is speaking in tongues. No, it's not. We just want the power of God, amen? The power of God. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke and promised very clearly. And he said, John baptized you in water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And I realized something when I came to Australia. This celebration in this church is always forgotten. If you go to Germany or Europe, we have a Pentecostal celebration as well. And that's a great thing in Europe. A great thing. Now, and I thought I have to preach about Pentecost. And that's my, my theme is Pentecost, the most orderly Pentecostal meeting of all of church history. And let's read in Acts chapter 2, the verses 1 and 2, 30. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. 
and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing, rushing wind. It had filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. You can't learn to speak in other tongues. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the utterance of in other tongues will be according to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. And I believe with all of my heart that everybody can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that we should seek for the best gifts of the Spirit. Now I have to go a little bit further. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own language. Imagine how, how is that? All of a sudden you would be able to speak German. I would understand it. No problem. No problem. Or in Greek. There are some Greek here this morning who wouldn't have any problem to understand you. Now, this was the situation. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the district of Libya around and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretan and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. We thank you, Lord, for Pentecost. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, and we thank you, Lord, that you will baptize each one, O Lord, who is seeking you, Lord, and obeys you, that you can fill them with the Holy Spirit as well. And we thank the Lord for the gifts of the Holy Spirit as we have it in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14.
And I pray this morning, Lord, that you will give grace to speak your word and also grace to listen to your word and also, Lord, to act upon your wonderful word in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I am sick and tired to defend false teachings and unbiblical, hermeneutically unsound preaching about Pentecost. And there's many people who think our oh, Pentecost is all about just speaking in tongues. And they think, well, if I go to a church, they speak in tongues, perhaps I can learn it. Or somebody said, well, just speak after me. That is not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit of God fills your heart and you flow over and God gives you new tongues to speak. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm preaching this morning. Some say, well, I, I've heard Pentecostals and I've been in a church. What is going on there is horrendous. And some say, well, we heard words and it's perhaps saying something not nice against God. Now listen. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says, Therefore, listen, and if you have got your Bible, get and read it too. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So we see something. It is not true if people speak in tongues and have an utterance of the Holy Spirit and have also an interpretation. It is right. Paul says, nobody who speaks in tongues by the Holy Spirit, will ever, ever say Jesus is a curse. I've heard it many, many, many times in Germany and everywhere. I remember once I was handing out tracks very high up in, in Germany and there was a young man, he thought he is a theologian and studied theology. And when he saw the address, and, oh, you are Pentecostals. In German we call, you are Pfingstler. Can you say the word Pfingstler? Pfingstler. So, my dear brother Robert and his dear wife, they are not here. He is a German. He would have understood this. Oh, you are Pentecostals. And you have the Holy Spirit in your hand. I said, no. We don't have the Holy Spirit in our hands. The Holy Spirit is in our hearts. Hallelujah. And it was very hard to explain him what the Bible says. He should have been sitting here this morning in order to hear what the Bible says. Now what was the congregation there at Pentecost? There were 120 people all together. Now first, what happened in chapter 1 was this, and we know the story, Judas, he betrayed Jesus and he went away from Jesus and the Bible says clearly he hung himself. And I read 
recently, again, the Jewish Bible. And you have to read it, the Jewish Bible. And there it says very clearly, and so drastically being expressed what happened to Judas, who betrayed Jesus. He might have hung himself, and somehow he burst to the ground, and his, his bowels came out. Horrible, horrible. Yes, that's what the Jewish Bible says so clearly. Now, he was gone. He missed his chance to go with Jesus because beside Jesus he always had a contact to the world. And he always was after money and things like that. And that's what my dear brother said this morning. We must watch that we don't change Jesus and our salvation for anything in this world. Give everything up in this world and follow Jesus. That's the best change you can do. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's what we preach. That's what we believe. Now there was a so-called restoration and Peter was in charge and he said, well, we know the story about um, Judas and they wanted a, pla a, re a placement or replacement for Judas. And so they were praying and we read in Acts chapter 1, Verse 24 and 26. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, O Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship for which, from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. So, there was a replacement for Judas, and his name was Matthias. And he was reckoned to be an apostle from that day on. This was settled now. Let's have a look at some Wonderful shadows of Pentecost in the Old Testament. Now, we read in Exodus chapter 19, verse 18 to 24. And uh, now we know that after Israel was saved, by the blood of the Passover lamb, God led them to a mountain. The mountain was called what? Sinai. And there God gave his law to Israel. And there's something very interesting. You mightn't have picked it up, but I picked it up. And Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. Exodus 19, verse 19b, the last part. Oh. Moses spoke to God, and God answered with thunder. Isn't it interesting? Moses understood the thunder of God as speaking from God. Do you understand this? He understood everything. 
he spoke to God, and there was thunder, and Moses understood everything, and then he explained it to his people. And there was a wonderful demonstration of God's power. This event was a fire, smoke, and quaking experience. And Israel got afraid, and they said in one at one stage, Moses, you speak to God. We can't listen to the voice of God. It was too strong for them. And, you know, the Bible speaks very clearly, and Paul makes it clear in a Pentecostal church. And there was the church in Corinthians. There was a Pentecostal church. And Paul realized that everything is going accordingly what it should be. And some say, well, the first the Corinthian church was a bad church. I would say it was a good church. But they had to learn. Anybody who has to learn, is he bad or good? If he is willing to learn, it's good. Amen? And he told him very clearly, now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And it's very important. Even so that you may prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edification or may be edified. Now we see when God speaks to the church in tongues, and any, if anybody has a tongue, pray that the Lord will give you the interpretation that the whole church will be edified by it. I have experienced it many times. Even in evangelistic meetings, we had sometimes a tongue. In a tent meeting, a tent meeting, Somebody spoke in tongues. And some Pentecostal people were scared of Pentecostal. What's it? Oh, oh, what is that going to be? What is that going to be? There was a tongue with interpretation. And, and that night, somebody gave his life to the Lord. A lady, she realized, God is speaking to me. I need Jesus. And she came to Jesus on that night. Amen. Hallelujah. If you speak in tongues and have a tongue by the Lord and by the Spirit of God, pray, Lord, that I also can give the interpretation. And that's what Paul is saying here to the good church in Corinthian. Amen. They learned it. And I want to learn it too, and perhaps you too. Now, there was another wonderful example how God moved when the temple of Solomon was dedicated. And we can read it in Second Chronicles chapter 5, 12 to 14. And let's read it. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, Judithun, and the sons and kingsmen clothed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, standing east of the altar, and with them 
120 priests. Isn't it interesting? How many people were at Pentecost in the upper room? 120. And now we see there were 120 priests blowing trumpets in unison. Then when the trumpeter and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, He indeed is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Do you know something about the glory of the God, of the Lord? The glory of the Lord is this. When everybody in this room sense and is aware of it, Lord, the God is here in our midst. The Lord is here. And you can't run away from the presence of the Lord. Did you know that? And we see here the glory was there. And Solomon dedicated the temple unto God. And there was something great going on. The whole house was filled with the glory of God. Now, there was another incident where Elijah experienced the power of God in a mighty way. God is powerful. Amen? God is powerful. There's nothing too hard for him. No circumstances in your life will be too hard. God has an answer and he will answer. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And no bondage is too strong where Jesus could not help. In my early ministry, as a young man. Can you believe that I was a young man too? Yeah? Can you believe that? Can you believe that I was a fire preacher then? Yes, I was. And I remember we had a uh, so-called youth center or uh, what else can we call it? Where we invited young people to come in and we had tea and coffee and cakes and so on. And then we talked about Jesus with the young people. There was a young man, I remember him. He came and he said, well, I went into all these drugs. LSD was then almost like ice is now today. He said, I... I did all these things. And I asked him, do you want to be free? Yes. So I took him home and I prayed with him. And all of a sudden he brought out all a stack of drawings, at least this much. Drawings he made when he was in, in LSD. Delirium. Delirium. 
I said, I'll tell you what, these things, we're going to burn them. And I pray for you, and the Lord will set you free. Hallelujah. And I took all these drawings into the heater, you know, and everything burned up. And we prayed, and this young man, he was battling with demon powers. But the Lord is stronger. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I have seen these things. I have experienced these things. I have seen when people came to Jesus and the power of God filled the life of these people, this young man. He became a wonderful Christian, followed the Lord. Now Elijah, he was on Mount Horeb. And there on this mountain, after he had a wonderful uh, victory on Mount Carmel. Anybody knows what happened on Mount Carmel? Anybody knows? Yes? Elijah challenged the Baal priests and said, come up on this mount because Israel fell away from God. And God called Elijah to call them back. I read a book in my early ministry about Elijah, and this was a little book only. And it said, Like a Torch, this was the title, Like a Torch was the word of Elijah, full of the power of God. And here he was, he challenged all the Baal's priests and said, well, I tell you, you make an altar for you there and I'm going to make an altar here. And the God who answers with fire, this will be the real God. And they all put together, put something on the altar. And then Elijah waited a little bit. He put it together, you know, put the offering on and then he took some buckets of water and poured it over it and the others might have thought well Elijah that is never going to burn but he said the God who answers with fire will be the God of Israel hallelujah and we know the story about it read it yourself I think chapter 18, First Kings. And they did pray to their gods. They cut themselves and all these things. And they cried, Baal, listen to us. Baal, listen to us. And I liked it. Elijah was still no fire. And he said, listen, could it be that Baal is asleep? He has got his nice nap, perhaps. Cry a little bit louder. And they were crying and crying. And he was scoffing. <laughs> he was scoffing. Perhaps your God is somewhere having a nice trip. Cry more. And no answer. 
And then at the evening time, Elijah, he prayed just one prayer. And the fire fell, hallelujah, and consumed, consumed everything on this altar. And even fire licked the water up in a little ditch around its altar. Now that was a great and wonderful experience. Now after this, God sent him, go to the mountain of God being called Horeb. Now here he was, and he was looking for a place to sleep. And there was a cave, and he went into the cave. And all of a sudden, there was a storm, a wind. And all this happened. And God said to Elijah, go out of the cave. And the Bible says this very clearly, God was not in a strong wind, nor on, in the earthquake, nor in the fire. And then was a very quiet voice. A wind, like a little breeze. And the Bible says, but God was in the breeze. Hallelujah. Now we see something interesting. We are talking about Pentecost. Pentecost, called in Hebrew, Shavuot. That means, actually, is the Feast of Weeks. And that's why we can't miss Pentecost. Seven weeks after the Passover. And the next day was a Sabbath. And that was the day of Pentecost. There was the day of Shavuot. The day of Feast. Or day of Weeks and day of harvest. Did you know, and it's very interesting, if you study the Bible, you find so many wonderful things. Did you know, they had a special book they read then, at this day, Shavuot. Now what book was it? Anybody knows it? They read the book of Ruth. Have you read the book of Ruth in the Bible? Yes? Why did you read the book of Ruth? Anybody knows the story of Ruth in the Bible? She came from Bethlehem. And Bethlehem in English means house of bread. But there was a famine in that land. There was a famine and she heard in the land of the Moabites there's plenty of harvest. And she had two sons and went away from Bethlehem. And her name was Naomi. Naomi, she took her two sons and there's the sons got two 
teach a wife, and one of the wives' name was Ruth, and the other was Orpha. So, and then she came back after a while, after a few years. She heard, there's bread again in the house of bread, Bethlehem, the house of bread. And she came back, but she lost everything. She lost everything. But then she had a relative, and his name was Boaz. And Boaz was the only one who could redeem her property. And know what happened then? Ruth, she went to Boaz, a relative of Naomi. And she worked in his harvest field. But somehow, Boaz liked that girl. And so she came and worked in his field. She was gleaning the field. And Boaz, he let her work. Did you know what happened here? And why Israel read the book of Boaz and there's a, of, of Ruth? There's a wonderful story, and it's a story, this. A pagan woman becomes a member of Israel by marriage. You know what it means? The church of Jesus Christ, most of them were pagans. We were pagan. I was a pagan. I was a German pagan. You know? And the whole church came to Jesus. And that means, and as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Remember that you were at that time before they knew the Lord, separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of, of Israel, the Bible says. Yes? Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. The commonwealth of Israel will be more wealthier than the Australian commonwealth or commonwealth of England. Of Britain. The Lord has great things with Israel in mind. Did you know that? Hallelujah. And the Lord Himself, He will rule in Israel. And we are now part. We were excluded from that commonwealth of Israel. And we were stranger to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But we have become the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because we are married with Jesus. At least now I'm engaged with Jesus. Hallelujah. The day is going to come and Paul says very clearly that he is going to prepare the church as a bride for whom then? 
for Jesus Christ, the bridegroom of the church. Hallelujah. Are you there? Do you belong to Jesus? Do you belong to him? Through Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says something now. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26. There's a, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us or our weakness, for we do not how to pray as we should by the Spirit himself, or but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. So and here's something wonderful. Why does Paul say, I wish that you all would speak in tongues? Does he want to create a disaster in the church? No way. If there was anyone for order in the church, it was Paul. Is that right? Now, he says, I wish that you all, and he said in one spot, I'm speaking more in tongues than you all together. Hello. We are Pentecostal church. And if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, seek and say, Lord, baptize and fill me in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You have heard about the man, Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody heard about him? Yes? Yeah? Read some books of him. He was called the Apostle of Faith. And God, he was here actually in Australia, also in Melbourne, a few years ago in the early years of 1900. You weren't there then. Neither was I there. But I read his books. Great signs and wonders, miracles took place. Now, he was just a normal preacher with his wife together. They had a little fellowship, but he heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he went to a conference, I don't know where it was again, in England. And he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He came back to his fellowship, and he had to preach. It is said, I think, his wife was a better preacher and he, wife sometimes can good preach, I tell you what. And he was preaching. And his wife says, this is not Smith. This is not Smith. What he preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, people got saved. This is not Smith. No, it was the Spirit of God. Amen? Hallelujah. I want to conclude with a little story I read about a missionary, Garlock. So I, I remember about 40, 50 years ago when this so-called charismatic movement started. Anybody remembers that? Anybody remembers that? Yes, I do. I was then in Germany. And... There was this book in German, 
Sie sprechen in anderen Zungen. They are speaking in another tongue. And there's a story, and I want to relate it to you this morning. A missionary from America, mission named Garlic. And he had a call to go to West Africa, to one of the nations there. And he was preaching and ministering. And somehow, one of his uh, co-workers got ill. And there was some kind of medicine on the west coast of Africa. And he wanted to go and get it for him. But as they went through the jungle, they came through a place, a village. They were very, very hostile to Christians. And they took them into yeah, perhaps into a, a prison or whatever. And one man was especially there. They didn't release him. And then they went back and home to the mission station. And he said, I can't let my co-worker be amongst them. I don't know what they are doing. We have to go and release him. So they went and in the middle of the night all of a sudden they were surrounded by all these Africans and there was, it looked like a uh, meeting of the elders of the tribe Till the morning, Garlic himself, he was tied to a tree. And all the people were sitting around and talking to each other. He couldn't understand their, their language. And he was praying, God, what should I do? God, can you help me here? And he trusted God. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God filled him so powerful. He started to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. And he saw what happened among them who were surrounding him. It looked like as if they were counseling what to do with this stranger to kill him or whatever. But he spoke about half an hour, non-stop in tongue. And while he was speaking, he saw a change in the faces of these surrounding him. And all of a sudden he stopped. That's what God gave him. Nobody told him, you have to say in tongues this and this. No, no, no. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are not baptized by anyone who said, speak after me. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give you utterance as it was here in the first orderly Pentecostal meeting. Do you understand that? 
reject anything and everything that is not of the Spirit of God and doesn't come from this book. Reject it. But believe what the Bible says. After this abrupt stopping, obviously one of the guys was the chief. He stood up. He took a white crown. Rooster, yeah, rooster. He took a white rooster, slaughtered it, and sprinkled blood on this man. And then he made the gesture, gesture you are free. He untied him from the tree, and they were free. What happened was this. Through the Holy Spirit, he spoke their language. He spoke their language. And they understood they are not enemies of them. They are here to bring and give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what happened in Jerusalem? You know what happened? There were some who said, we hear them to speak the great deeds of God. Have you read it? We hear them. These were people from around Jerusalem, from the whole Roman Empire perhaps. And they were not at, at Jerusalem, but Jesus was there. And then they heard in tongues perhaps. They were speaking in tongues. We hear them, the great deeds of God, saying, Hallelujah. God knew why he brought all these people around. Because they were not there when Jesus was in Jerusalem. But now they heard the Spirit speaking and preaching to them. And then later on, of course, the explanation of Peter when he preached that these things are all biblical. They are not drunk. No, 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 no. This is what the prophet of Joel has promised. I, God will pour out his spirit. Hallelujah. I do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do we need today, Pastor Gary? Yes. Do we need it today, Sister Ella? We do. And he will give the spirit to those who obey him, the Bible says in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These strangers from around Jerusalem, from all over of the Roman Empire, haven't heard of Jesus at all. But now we hear them, the great deeds of God speaking to us. Does it make sense? Does it make sense that God caused them to speak through the Holy Spirit another language? 
To me it does. To me it does. That's why if God speaks through a tongue in this congregation, there should be interpreter, there should be somebody being tuned with the Spirit of God and interpret that language. Hallelujah. So my theme this morning was, what was it? Pentecost, the most orderly Pentecostal meeting in all of church history. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, the event of Pentecost will not reoccur. As Calvary will not reoccur. And we called it in German Heilsgeschichte or Salvation History Events. They never reoccur again. And the Bible says also, and I have to read it to you very quickly. Very quickly. The Bible says in Hebrew. Jesus is going to come back again and by his second appearing he will come not in regards to anybody knows the Bible? Not in regards to you got it. Do you read the Bible sometimes? Yes, okay. <laughs> Jesus is coming back not in regards to sin. That means no sinner can that be saved anymore? But he will come back again, not to take our sins away. He is going to come back to take us away. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's the day I'm waiting for. He is coming. He is coming soon. It may be morning, day or night. I know he is coming soon. Heavenly Father, I do love you, Jesus. I do love you, Lord, and I thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you and I pray, Lord, that you might move in this church in a mighty way through the Spirit of God. Oh, Lord, that we might have the gifts you wanted to give us, Lord Jesus. And those, Lord, who are weak in their body and weak in the spirit, I pray, fill them, O Lord. Baptize them, O Lord, in the Holy Spirit. I thank you and I bless your name, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you will also bless this afternoon as some go out to preach the gospel in Daninong. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.